0: reoriented. We've been uh, in a series called Authority Matters, and I'm wrapping up the series this morning. And as you hear the word authority, usually it conjures up the same kind of response as, okay, kids, it's time to take your medicine. I, I don't know about you, but it's, uh, it kind of has that feel to it sometimes when, oh, authority, we got to think about authority. But if it's handled right, authority can be a tremendous source of joy. It's it's a part of the very, very fabric of life. And so we want to do this series, um, not because it's time to take your medicine, <laughs> but because the way that we handle the authority that's been given to us and the way that we respond to the authority over us makes a major difference in our lives and in the lives of the people around us. So... We're looking at, at this topic and what Scripture has to say about it in this series, and I'm wrapping up today, but before I do that, I'd like to review where we've been. First week, we looked at Authority Starts Here. Scripture tells us that all authority belongs to God. It's all His. He He, And that makes sense, doesn't it? He's the one who created the universe. He rules it. He, he owns it. So, you know. You make something, you, you own that thing. And so he's our owner, our creator, and he rules. The way that he rules, the way that he gets things done is he hands authority out to people who are responsible for a realm of authority. So he, he hands authority out to um, government. Government leaders have a specific realm for for which they're responsible. He gives authority to um, parents, fathers, and mothers over children, fathers over the whole home. He he gives, and they're they're responsible. And then church leaders, there's church leaders, there's, there's me. I'm responsible for the whole of church in the valley. That, frankly, is a concern of mine. Because at some point in my life, I'm going to die, and I'm going to meet God. He's going to ask me how I handled that responsibility. So this is the way God gets things done in life. He, he gives a piece of authority. He gives a responsibility to someone, and then he works through them to accomplish what he wants. And so the authority in the home, in work, in church life... In all the arenas in government, they, they do better to find out in Scripture what God wants in that realm of authority. In business, same thing. God wants some things to come out of business. There, there are good goals that God has set, and there are illegitimate goals and bad goals that he hasn't set. So we need to understand those things. So that's important. Anyway, this is the way God gets things done. He hands authority to a leader who's responsible to oversee a realm of authority. The second week, the message was called give an account. And this is the scary part for me as a leader of the congregation. When God gives authority to someone, he holds that person responsible for how things are going and how things go in that realm of authority. So he, he is going to call them to account. They're going to have to give an account for how they're handling things. Matt Sprenkel showed us last week that leaders are responsible to God, to accomplish God's purpose for their realm and for putting the welfare of followers above our own. Most of us are really good at looking out for our own interests, but a leader, a leader according to God's plan and way, he, he actually looks at what needs to be accomplished according to God and then the welfare of his followers, and then he takes third spot. And so Matt showed us that. That means that great leaders... Ask the question, how can I help you? Jesus set the pace in this. He showed us how to do this. This is what Jesus did. He came to earth, lived the life he did, and died the death he did for our interests, out of love for us, out of a desire to benefit the people that he'd made. And so we should aim to benefit our followers as we keep the mission or purpose the top priority. We don't just focus on the welfare of the followers to the detriment of the mission. But that's number two, above ourselves. Today we're wrapping up the series by looking at how to be a great follower. We need great leaders. We need great followers. And the key phrase is to make it a joy. That's how you become a great follower. Since since the Bible teaches that God's given leadership to specific people, And they're responsible for a realm of of life, a slice of life. Um, A good follower then, since God's given leaders their realm of authority, it means a good follower accepts this is the way God works. This is how it goes. And they set themselves to help the leader over their realm. If they're under leadership, they decide, I'm going to aggressively do everything I can to help them accomplish the goals in this arena. We need desperately great followers. We need great leaders, but we need great followers to get things done in the most effective and enjoyable way. In a pickup football game, I don't know, guys, if you've ever been, maybe some of the ladies have been involved in a pickup football game, but. The first thing that happens in a pickup football game is you have to decide who's going to quarterback your team. I I've been in some seriously heated discussions about who's going to be the quarterback. Okay, I mean you this it's important because he's the guy in the huddle's given direction to the team. He's you know you get you gather together, you you get get in the huddle and he says, "Okay, you go long, you go short, you run over somebody." You know, he's he's given direction in the huddle. So it's important. You need somebody to do that. Now, have you ever been a part of a team where the guy who wanted the quarterback job didn't get it, and they sulk, and they whine, and they give a half-hearted effort, and your team gets obliterated? I, I have, okay? Just the guy we need to give all he's got to make it happen, He's sulking. Come on. I've been there. It's no fun. The way it works in every arena of life, there's a quarterback. There's a leader. There's somebody who has responsibility for that realm of authority, for that area of life. And they're the ones that call the play and call the snap. There has to be somebody like that. I was actually a part of a team on a church one time. It was in the seventies, so if if you're from the seventies you'll understand this. But we were experimenting with church leadership and what we did is we had four guys leading the church and everybody had equal authority. It was a it was an idea, a bad idea. But we thought we could find it in scripture. And it was called shared leadership. So hey, you know there's four of us. We're gonna lead this church. We would have a meeting and something that would come up that needed to be done, and we'd all kind of sit there, like, oh, you do it. No, you... I don't want it. Oh, okay, I'll do it. You know, so responsibility was like a hot potato in that setting because nobody was the quarterback. There was nobody who was the leader who was responsible for the whole realm. It's crucial, it's the way God works. The church sort of floated around in terms of accomplishing what God wanted as we passed the hot potato of responsibility back and forth. When it comes to authority, God has settled the quarterback question. He's made it clear who's the leader in a specific area. God appoints a leader who's responsible to accomplish God's purpose in their realm. If you're not the leader, you have another important role. You're the follower. And it's a crucial role as well. Here's a picture of all this. We looked at this the first week. Uh, I believe we have it. Do we not? Is there a graph? Yeah. There's a chart here of, you know, in the family, the father is responsible, the mother over the children, government, church, business. God works through the leader. Now, this is important to catch. God works through the leader. He doesn't go around the leader to tell the followers what should be done. And in this country, we need to understand this because we think when the leader says go, this is where we're going, we stop and take a vote. You know, I got to take a vote. I mean, that's, I guess that's an idea. We could do that. We could go that direction. We could try to pull that off. The leader gives directions, and in our minds, we're taking a poll as to whether or not that's a good idea or whether or not we want to do it or whether it's the way we would do it or whatever is going on in our minds. We're taking a vote. Now, I've known churches who've tried to take a vote on almost every decision uh, in the life of the church. For instance, I, I knew a church once that... Uh, voted on the color carpet that they were going to put in their sanctuary. It created a tremendous amount of division in that church because 45% of the people wanted green, 55% of the people hate green, and they wanted red. I think those were the colors, I don't know. But anyway, you get the idea. Every vote splits the group. And when you, when you are a follower and you're given direction and you're taking a vote in your mind as to what you're going to do or not, you're splitting off from the leadership. You're, you're creating division. Taking this vote creates drag on getting things done at home, at work, in church life. It creates an adversarial environment that nobody enjoys. If you're in this kind of environment and you've got to get up Monday morning and go to work, you're dreading it. You are not looking forward to that. If, if you have uh, an adversarial situation in the family, an environment like that, in the family, you, you don't want to discuss things. So everything just sort of stays down here. So the role followers play is, is crucial. God has shown us the best way. Great followers aim to please God by making it a joy for their leaders. I'd like to show you a video clip of the opposite of making it a joy. It's from the movie Kramer vs. Kramer. It was kind of a groundbreaking movie. I think it was in the 70s, but it was kind of a, a groundbreaking movie uh, about what people go through as they struggle with divorce. But let's, let's watch the clip together.
1: All right, come on. Put that down. It's getting cold. What is this crap? It
0: sounds
1: very sick. I hate it. You You had it last week, and you loved it.
0: No, I didn't. -hmm. hate the brown
1: stuff. It's gross. All that is is onions and gravy. I'm allergic to onions. You are not allergic to onions. You had this last week, and remember, I told you it was my favorite when I was a little boy, and you said it's my favorite, too.
0: I did not.
1: Sue you did. Here, it's regular hamburger. Just give it a little bite. It's delicious. What's the matter? I am up. No, you're not. No, you're going
0: to eat.
1: it. Yucky. It is not yucky, Billy. Eat it. Do you remember to bring the chocolate chip ice cream home? Yes, I did remember to bring the chocolate chip ice cream home. And you're not going to have any of it until you eat all your dinner and then eat your meat and your corn. Where are you going? Get back here right now. Did you hear me? You better not do that. You'd better stop right there, fella. I'm warning you. Hey! Did you hear me? Now, you listen to me. Don't be smart now. You go right back and put that back until you finish your dinner. All right, I'm warning you. You take one bite out of that, you're in big trouble.
0: Don't. Hey! Don't you dare.
1: Don't you dare do that. Did you hear me? Hey! Stop. Hold it right there. You put that ice cream in your mouth and you are in very, very, very big trouble. Don't you dare go anywhere beyond that. Put it down right now. I am not going to say it again. I am not going to say it again. I can't. Ow! Ow! Don't you kick me. me.
0: Now is that hard to watch or what? (laughs) That is the picture of making it a bummer. For the authority over you. There are problems on both sides of that question, equation, and I'm not going to take time to analyze what was going on there. Woo! That makes me sweat. I'm breaking into a sweat up here. <laughs> <sighs> but anyway, you get the picture. Actually, the role of a parent is to train their kids in how to follow, and it's a crucial role. It's, it's, it's important that we learn we're actually smarter than them. So we need to think. Uh, uh, about how to, to make it so they follow, how to help them follow, how to train them to follow. Um, anyway, Hebrews gives instructions to the church that applies to every area of life, uh, instructions for being a great follower. Here's what it says, Hebrews 13:17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy. And not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. According to Hebrews, great followers make it a joy when they do two things. We don't like these words, obey and submit. But those are the two things that a great follower does. Obey means to be easily persuaded. That's what it means to obey in this passage. You're easily persuaded. You, you may have ideas about the way it should be done, what we should do at all, what, what you think is the highest priority. You, you have ideas. But when the leader makes the call, you don't drag anchor in doing what they want you to do because you are more easily persuaded. Now, leaders have a realm of authority, They're going to answer to God for how they handle their realm of authority. That's why they make the call. That's why it goes that way. And the key factor, there's a key factor in whether or not the leader is going to be willing to listen to you. You know what the key factor is? How do you respond when they listen to your ideas but don't incorporate your ideas in the decision and what they're doing? How do you respond? What's your track record? How how have you done when you've given input and you feel passionate about it and then the leader does something else? That track record is building a level of trust between you and the leader over you that makes a major difference. Another core response of a great follower is to submit. Another word, whoa, you know, we don't like that word either. But it, it means to arrange yourself under the authority of the leader. That's, that's what that word particularly means. And it's always in the Scripture, it's always used in a middle passive voice, which means that the leader doesn't force submission, but the, the followers choose it. Now, in some instances, obviously, leader has the authority to make it happen. But in, in Scripture, when the command is given... It's something you choose as a follower. And you, what you choose is to arrange yourself under the leader. You take your place. You know your place. And you take your place and you aggressively work to help the leader accomplish the goals they're trying to accomplish. Now, the Bible is clear that we don't, we don't follow leaders into illegal or immoral activity uh, in abusive situations. You may need to take decisive steps to protect yourself, but most of the struggles we have with leadership don't involve those extremes. If, if you and, and, and your leader have a similar temperament, interest, and approach to solving problems, you, you may not be following. You're just going the same direction they are. <laughs> you know, you're just, hey, this is great, we're just having a walk in the park here. The leader thinks like I do. Let's go this way. And I agree. Some fall into the trap of looking for leaders that have the same temperament, same gifting, same interests, same approach to solving problems that they do. And when they don't find them, they look for another one. They keep changing it out. This can become an endless search to find leaders that I can vote for consistently in what they're doing. And it's a very dangerous place to be. It, it involves a, cha- a constant change of scenery, trying to find the person who fits that I can click with and walk in the park with. The test of a good follower comes when their leader makes a decision and they don't agree. This is the test right here. At work, when your boss gives you an assignment and... It's sort of a left-brain creative assignment, and you're really right-brain. You like numbers and data, and you're thinking, what? How, how am I going to pull this off? Do, do they not realize this isn't... I'm not gifted in drawing a horse, <laughs> or whatever the assignment is. And you you think, this is crazy. Or maybe you feel the assignment is a is beneath your pay grade, might be above your pay grade, might be more than you think you can handle. This is where the test shows up. When you begin to doubt what the leader's doing, here's where faith comes in. Faith trusts that God is going to use the leader to develop you, even when they don't get it 100% right. God's going to use it. So I follow. I I try to draw the horse. Somebody asked me to draw a horse, they're in trouble. It's, I don't know. But that's, I got it. if I get that assignment from a leader, I need to do my best to draw the horse. At home, when you have a financial challenge or an opportunity, or somebody thinks you should take the opportunity, somebody thinks you shouldn't, they're a little more cautious, leader decides. If you have debt piling up, there's a speed at which you can pay off the debt. There are different speeds. One person thinks "Eh, we need to pay it off as fast as we can. Another person thinks I'd like to enjoy a little bit of life as we pay it off. When the quarterback makes the call, that's the test. That's when the test shows up. If you've been in a group or on a team here in church life, um, and the leader comes up with a plan and you think it's lame, You give input. You say, hey, I got an idea. What do do you think about this? What if we did it this way? You think your idea is way better, but they don't go with your idea. That's the test. That's where it shows up. A great follower yields the right-of-way to their leader as they face these tests. That's what it means to be a great follower. We tend to look overlook the importance of following well, but it's a major factor in our success in life. We tend to think if I get the the leader job, all the privileges that go with that responsibility, then I'm going to make it happen. But it's following well, handling this responsibility, as small as it is, whatever it is, that God begins to build on. You learn things about handling responsibility that allows you to handle more, and then more, and then more. Following well is a major factor in our success in life. This is behind God's command to kids to honor and obey their parents. This is why it's so important to train our kids to obey us. Because the future is grim for kids that don't learn to obey their parents and follow authority. And I think the guy on the video clip's in trouble. I hope hope the parent made a comeback. (laughs) because he's a grown man right now. (laughs) Um, Family is a place designed for that to happen. And the reason that's so crucial is because the rest of your life, you're going to be either handling authority or under authority, and you need to do it well. Following legitimate authority gives us an umbrella of protection. If we step out from under the umbrella, we're in the danger zone. may get away with it for a while, but when the hailstorm comes... It's very painful because you have no protection. You're on your own. God will leave you out there on your own. He he works through the authority to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. If the leader sets direction or gives instruction and you have another way or plan or idea, it's okay to give input. In fact, leaders are wise if there's time. They're wise to get input from the followers who are on the front, front lines. But remember... The leader has the responsibility, and they're accountable to make the fall, final call. You, you respect that, and you obey and submit. You're easily persuaded, and you yield as a good follower. And if you do that consistently, you'll be a great follower. Paul ha, uh, gives us an example in Philippians of how to make it a joy for your leader and and. Experience the good that comes out of that. Uh, he he writes about Timothy. In fact, he's writing a letter to the church at Philippi, which is the first church that he started in Europe. And in, in the letter, he tells them he tells the church that he's sending Timothy to him. And Timothy had worked with Paul for about ten years. They church, started churches all over Europe and Asia Minor. And um, in the passage we're going to read, Paul is actually writing from. Uh, prison and he was in prison for his faith for sharing the gospel and people were trying to squelch it the gospel and the Jesus movement and so he was in prison for doing that and about to face trial Timothy is by his side and he's about to send Timothy to the church for encouragement and to find out uh, what's going on with the church so he can bring a report back to Paul Take a look at how Paul talks about Timothy. We looked at this passage a a couple of months ago, but I want to look at it from a follower angle. Take a look at what he says. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. When we read this, you you get a feel of the joy that Timothy's brought to Paul as a part of his team. The warmth, the appreciation, the admiration, it's all there. So let's pull some things out of Timothy's example uh, that we can learn about being a great follower. First, a great follower shares the leader's concerns says, I have no one like him. He's generally concerned for for your welfare. You see that Timothy got on the same page with the leader and didn't try to convince the leader to pay attention to his concerns. But he got on his page. Since Paul was concerned about the Philippians, so was Timothy. He's in the game with him. The word concern expresses a strong feeling for something or someone, often to the point of being weighed down or burdened by it. If you don't if you don't have money in the stock market, you don't care how it goes every day, do you? I mean, you you don't you're apathetic about whether or not it's up or down or what's going on with it. You, you don't really care. But if you have a good portion of your life savings invested in the stock market, you're really paying attention. What what this passage? What's behind this statement here is that Timothy was invested. In what his leader was invested in. He was investing in the same. He was pouring his life into the same things as the leader. And his heart was tied to it. He wasn't detached. Second, a great leader sets their own interests aside. Says they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul was used to interacting with people in churches who were self-centered, self-focused, self-absorbed. And Timothy wasn't. Timothy was concerned for the welfare of others. He was concerned about Jesus Christ's interest, and so was Paul. And this stood out from the crowd. Paul really appreciated this. If if you take in the big picture of what's going on, and you try to help your leader reach his goals, you're going to stand out from the crowd in every arena, at home, at work, in church life, in, in relating to the government, whatever it is. There's no doubt that Timothy had his own interests. No doubt, we all do. (laughs) But he didn't push those forward to Paul. He didn't push his interests on Paul. He chose to make the interests of Jesus Christ number one. And if the leader and the follower both put God's goals first, good things flow out of that. Good things begin to happen. Because then you start handling things rightly. You treat people with justice, and you do the right things. You make prudent decisions in your business, in church life, at home. If you're a follower, um, you you want these kinds of leaders. And if you're a leader, you want these kinds of followers. The last thing we see, the final thing we see about Timothy is he remains faithful over time. But you know, Timothy's proven, proven worth. I was a son with a father. He has served with me in the gospel. His character had been tested over and over and over again. It was quite a ride they were on. They were facing persecution, trouble at every turn. Timothy stayed after what needed to be done. He was faithful, and he had proven it. He was loyal to Paul. He was loyal to uh, the mission that God had given them and to do the assignments that God, uh, that Paul had dished out with excellence. In In the arenas in which you follow, as we wrap up, How would you rate yourself in the arenas where you follow based on the characteristics we've looked at this morning? Obedience, being easily persuaded, submission, yielding the right-of-way to the leader in the area, um, sharing concerns, these things. These things we've looked at. Uh, How would you rate yourself? Poor, just okay, good, or great? Think about that for a moment. Where are you at in your arenas? Think of the difference it would make if you set yourself to follow aggressively. Over time, it would make a tremendous difference. Life would be so much more enjoyable. Now, here's the interesting thing. And this applies to followers as well. Um, It's been hot lately. We're spoiled in California, let's face it, okay? I think most of the country, if they came to our area right now, even in the hundreds, it's very different than humid, thick, 105-degree weather or whatever it is. But anyway, it's been hot lately. I mowed the lawn on Friday morning. As I was mowing the lawn, I got thirsty. I got real thirsty because it's hotter than normal and I guzzled the water. That's what you do when you get thirsty, right? What's interesting is, relationally, it works exactly the opposite of that. When you're thirsty, if, if you will look to refresh others, that's how you get refreshed. If you're in a situation where there's a tug of war going on with your leaders and you need refreshment in that situation, look at how you can be a refreshment to those over you. Proverbs says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. That's the way it works. You just set your heart to follow, to be refreshing. It's an opposite reflex from normal. We're looking at how to get people to pour into me. We aim to refresh others, and you find refreshment in that process. It really applies to followers and leaders as well. If you become a great follower, you will be a refreshment to your leaders, and the joy will spill over into your life as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth you give us in your word that really deals with what we face in life, not uh, what we dream of facing, but what really actually happens in our lives. And I thank you for the practical guidance that you give us, for the way that you cut to the heart of the issue. And I ask God that you'd really help us to do, to take the steps that you've laid in our hearts to take, and to follow you wholeheartedly in them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.